the green corners need to be solved in layer three, which is where text changing effects take place. No, wait, that's magic rules again. What layer is white on? James, the water's boiling. Shouldn't we put the pasta in? James? James, what are you doing? I'm trying to solve this Rubik's Cube, Walt. Just give me a minute. Oh, okay. Wait, don't Rubik's Cubes normally have six sides? That's way more than six sides. Yeah, this one goes up to 11. Just stop talking. I'm trying to focus. Oh, wow. This looks really complicated. Hey, can't, can't you just swap the yellow for the white over here? Then you completed this whole side. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that should work, actually, because, like, color-changing effects applied on layer five. Oh, good one, Walt. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, James, I think layer five is magic rules again. That's all right. This is actually my new judge exam. Ever since the Judge Academy went all kaput, uh, the rules and the tests have gone really weird. Oh, who's running the judge exams now? Um, Hasbro. Yeah. Um, hey, what color is this Tonka truck? I'm not helping you cheat again, James. If you're colorblind, you need to tell them that. Stupid gray trucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, does Hasbro make Tonka trucks? They do. They do? They do. I, there was a, some research involved. In that <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Welcome to the Get Commanded podcast. It's the GCP brought to you by POG, Palms Off Gaming. They sponsor the stuff that we do. Uh, we're all uniting forces to help you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host, Walt. Oh, you went a little off script there. You're I'm like, insane. I'm crazy. Up. Well, hello, Commander players. I'm your other host, James. Now, before we get to the command for this episode, uh-huh. we actually have some announcements that we need to go through. Because it's wild that this is like a regular fixture right now. Yeah, this now. is kind of expected um but we've got a lot of stuff going on right now just to remind everyone we have a giveaway going on at the moment Mm -hmm. uh we're giving away a whole booster box of commander legends to electric boogaloo sorry battle for boulders gate oh yeah that one that one um and there's really there's three ways you can enter and all Mm -hmm. of them are super easy you can follow us on twitter instagram or threads and make a post on any of those platforms tagging your friends that you'd like to draft the box with and use the hashtag time to get commanded. That's mm-hmm. literally all you got to do and you could win a booster box from Walt and I. Yep, it's even simpler on Twitter actually. You can just reply to the post on Twitter and just tag a friend and yep. that you'd like to, to draft it with and follow us and that's it, you're set. Um, so yeah, follow. This actually been... <laughs> Like, don't want to make us sound bad, but there hasn't been that many entries. So, so you've got a good chance. You've got a good chance <laughs> of actually winning, which is kind of rare for one of these big giveaways. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and also wanted to announce, uh, we're streaming some Commander finally. 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 Those we- of you who've been keeping up have probably seen that we've we've streamed Pauper. We've streamed Lord of the Rings Draft. None of which is what this podcast <laughs> is dedicated to, which is Commander. That's true. So on the 29th of October at 7 p.m., a Australian 
daylight time, uh, Australian Eastern daylight time, because we're in mm-hmm. daylight savings now, uh, we will be streaming some Commander. So just pop that in Google, 29th of October, 7pm, Australian Eastern daylight time, and see what time that is wherever you are. But yeah, we'll have a couple of our friends who we play with pretty regularly yeah. at our local game store. We're just going to be chilling out, playing some Commander. And if you can't tune in at that time, it's going to go up on YouTube. Yes, and that also is totally important to announce. We actually have a YouTube. Um, I've just started kind of backlogging our content of the podcast up on there yeah we're about um, 50 episodes behind on there <laughs> i started at episode 12 yes. um there's everything before episode 12 didn't even have a uh, theme tune so no, we'll just leave that out you can go true. you can listen to that on all good podcasting platforms but there should be some other really great content going up on there including all the video on demands from the streams that we do yeah um which we're going to try and do pretty regularly um there is a little bit of a spanner in the works that i'm going to a different country in a month yeah so there might be a little bit of slowness on twitch in november but when we get back we're going to be on holiday in december so we're probably going to want to play commander yeah so definitely go follow us definitely definitely but that's uh we should get to that incoming transmission i reckon so this is coming to us from the deep depths of the galaxy from the space commanders it's time to get commanded Sometimes deck power must be sacrificed in favor of deck simplicity to reduce the effects of mental upkeep. Mental upkeep. Does mental it double upkeep. if you have paradox haze? <laughs> <laughs> Classic James trying to break break the command already. I mean, Sphinx of the Second Sun is like actually a pet card of uh, mine. So that card is so weird, but it's we, we love it so much. Sort of feast and famine and something uh, it's like a seedborn muse kind of thing and seedborn muse and paradox haze all in one it's pretty great. sweet it's, it's a great such card. A good card and it's pretty cheap too i thought yeah. it was way more expensive 100 anyway um, mental upkeep. mental upkeep <laughs> so i reckon mental upkeep i think because they said so we're sacrificing deck power for deck simplicity so i think mental upkeep is actually talking about the amount of energy you expend just like trying to k- keep up with what is happening Keep in Keep on track of all your triggers, all your yeah. like effects that are on board. Okay, I'm seeing this because, yeah, I think there is no other format. Because, like, we're talking about magic rules kind of in general. There's mm-hmm. plenty of formats that will, you know, use the, the like, triggered and activated abilities we're going to talk about here. Mm-hmm. But there's no other format that makes it as complex than commander no it is like taking all the magic rules and blowing them out to a 15 well you're technically timesing it by two because in usual magic it's 1v1 yeah but you have two other players in commander so yeah. there's a lot more going on and twice the life total right like we, we talk a lot about the length of games and stuff like that but when games go super long there is a lot that you have to keep up with on the board oh yeah um so yeah i guess it seems like sometimes you can reduce the deck power by uh, making your deck simpler but it'll make it easier to keep track of so i guess the the, the first question we need to answer here is what's the appeal of even playing simpler decks in the first place. Why would we do this? Right, I see what you're saying. So like, because we're sacrificing deck power, which mm-hmm. could be like a pretty pretty hard thing for some people to do. Yeah, some so people don't want to do that. What are sure. the positives from giving this up mm-hmm. to, to that kind of stuff? I think for me, the first one would actually probably be something we've talked about before and it's game length. Yeah. I think game length is something that is really different from pod to pod and we did a whole episode on game length mm-hmm. it and was like called, um our games are too long it's episode 40 but yeah we talked a lot yeah, about this and yeah. talked a lot about like where the sweet spot where we'd like to be kind of in that hour to hour and a half kind of bracket that's mm-hmm. where we kind of 
want to sit. Anything longer than that is just going to be kind of boring and dragged out. Yeah. And I think a culprit to to having those really long games is having a million triggers fire off and yeah. having one player have to be like, right, can you give me 12 minutes and 59 seconds? I have to resolve this. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you know, for example, overloading a... What's that? Mizzik's Mastery, where you can cast any number oh, of... Oh, God. Mizzik's Mastery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can... overload it for like eight or something. And you can cast instants and sorceries from your bin. You No, you exile your whole bin. You exile all the instances and sorceries in your graveyard, and then you can copy each one. So you just basically cast everything in your yeah, bin. Yeah, for, for free, but instantaneously. They're all put on the stack, and then you order them, and then so you like, have to resolve them. Like, it's madness. If you're in a Spellslinger deck, that is just insanity. Yeah. That is ridiculous. I actually was tempted to put Mizzix Mastery in my Savine the Chronoclasm deck. That's fair. And I decided not to. Yeah. Because I think, of that exact reason. Yeah, <laughs> the, the people who enjoy those shorter games will probably thank you for it. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good reason to, to, to be moving towards those simpler decks and yeah it's something we spoke about a lot in, as a way of of making those games shorter in that episode our games are too long we spoke a lot about yeah reducing the number of these kinds of cards that take a long time to resolve or mm-hmm. or um occupy a lot of that mental bandwidth in the game so we're going to that a bit later for sure but that's one one really good reason to build simpler mm-hmm. decks i think another one is like me and you play a lot with new players we do we're we're usually the people that the like the game store say, oh, you've just started playing Commander. See those two guys at the back <laughs> of the room there? Go play with them. They're yeah. lovely. Which we love. Yeah, Firstly, we love, playing, we, with we love playing with new players. But I, I see where you're going with this. I think the complexity of these cards that require a lot of mental capacity to mm. keep up with me and you have been training for years yeah. on this game. We're kind of like ready for that. We have mm-hmm. the the mental upkeep, the, the mental stamina to keep up with this. Yeah. A brand new player, it's like giving someone like a dumbbell like a 12 kilo dumbbell and they've never done a bicep curl before (laughs) and you're like curl this yeah no they're not going to be able to do that (laughs) i mean straight up when we were at pax um we met a good friend of mine uh who has never played magic before and he came and sat at the end of the table while we were playing some commander the game ended up actually ending before we could finish it anyway but he was like pax moment (laughs) he was like very overwhelmed and then we went and grabbed the starter magic decks from the they had like a sort of starter magic area of like a learn to play thing learn to play yeah that's what it was and um and they have the you know the 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 default magic the gathering starter decks were available there and we grabbed a couple of those and played with those and then he could sort of keep up and there's a reason that these decks exist right that they give out these kinds of decks we even now have starter commander decks right the precons that were released about a year ago now um, there's like a Demir one and an Azorius one and such. I've played all of them. They're all really, really clean. <laughs> They're really great. And But the thing is, they they reduce the complexity of the things you can expect to see yeah. in Commander, right? They they intentionally are choosing cards that are much easier to resolve, um, much more logical in terms of what they will do to the board, require reading less. Like just cards with less text on them is generally better, right? Uh, the thing that I really respect about these products as well is they have good reminder text on them. Yeah. Because like, you know, like a lot of commander products will be like all right this creature has flying haste myriad and phasing three yeah. and you're like uh, what uh, what i know what <laughs> flying does haste i'm kind of i'm starting to understand because you can swing yeah. with it first and before you take another turn mm-hmm. what the heck is phasing and myriad and then yeah you have to like go online and read about it and like this i think is like a huge problem for commander in in general but i think for a for the capacity of a new player to even want to like take that on board yeah is 
minuscule. Yeah. It's like, they're not going to do that. No. And I think even if they do try and retain the information, trying to retain what Myriad does and how it works is going to be hard. Yeah. Look, I think we, we probably will have an entire episode about new players and how they should get into Magic because it's something we've talked about a few times before, mm. but I reckon we could use a whole episode on it. But yeah. Certainly, building more complex decks is not going to help those new players to understand the format that we all love. And we know that so many people are playing Commander these days. It's going to be a way that a lot of people are going to be introduced to our game. Yeah. So why not have a simpler deck for for their sake? And speaking of, you know, just generally being kinder to our fellow players, I think the third really good reason to build simpler decks is accessibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like straight up, I think because Commander is so complicated and Magic is so complicated these days with the amount of text that's on any given card. Oh, uh, yeah, it's um, a four-mana tutu with 19 lines of text on yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's getting increasingly difficult for people to keep track of board states. So I'm going to link a couple of articles that I read uh, in preparation for this episode. I read the uh, Command in advance as I'm I'm so glad that one of do. us have. You know, <laughs> that means that we've got like this handy sheet of notes in front that's of us. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I read a couple couple of articles about specifically the the challenges of um, the increase in the number of printings that cards get these days. Like with different arts and different stuff. Different arts, yeah. different ex- borders especially are a really big challenge. Yep. And what that does to heuristics, which is the ability for people to look at a board state in a game and understand exactly what's going on. So in one of the articles, the example is like, you know, when you look at someone's mana base, you should be able to tell how much mana they have open, right? Mm-hmm. It should be pretty easy to do so because it's kind of important that you know when someone's got blue, blue open, Right. That's important yes. to the game that we play. That's why I hate the Phyrexian black lands. Yeah, well, I hate them with a burning passion. The ones that get called out in, in that article are the um, Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt. Are the black and white black ones. Black and white ones. That's hilarious because I actually run those in my Liesa deck, mainly because the difference between the white ones and the black ones are really <laughs> clear. The white ones have a lot of white on them yep. and, and the black, black ones have, have a lot of black, black on them. Maybe the easiest to tell the difference yeah. for, it's true. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, we won't go into all of that because it's not something that me and you are adequately, um, you know, educated on in, in order to give it the, the, the attention yeah. it deserves. I'm, I'm not educated on it, but I would like to say, like, something that not a lot of people know about me is that I've had in my past, like through my school, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of trouble reading in, mm. in my like life. And I've put a lot of work into being able to read confidently and like i know like everyone has to learn how to read but i did like extracurricular activities with teachers to try and learn it and i had dyslexia tests and all that kind of stuff it was just a challenge for me Mm -hmm. with magic i identify cards by what they look like so i see where what was it called heuristics heuristics yeah i see what that is because i yeah i especially in like 60 card formats where like you know one copy of a card is going to appear multiple times. Yeah. I hate it when people have cards that in the deck of a 60 card deck that have different arts. Yeah. I it infuriates me because I'm like is that a different card? Can I read that card? And it like takes me out of it and like makes me less responsive and like actually because I'm trying to understand if it's the same card and what that means to the board state. Yeah. I actually I'm curious. I'm going to go read that article as well because mm. I have yeah, I've had a lot of trouble with reading in my life, and I, I get what this is saying. Like mm. the the borders of a magic card 
really do help you identify it. Yeah. Like, you know, artifacts are all silver. Like, it's yeah. easy to go, that's an artifact. That's I get artifact. how that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, that's all heuristics yeah. straight up. It's, it's kind of the opposite of this mental upkeep thing. If mental upkeep is sort of this drain that you, you have on your mental capacity that's just associated with keeping up with the game, right? Because mm-hmm. this is not even the amount you're using to think about what your turn should do, how you're going to win. Like, this is just keeping up with what's happening. On the board. On right the board, now. right. Yeah, what's in front of you. If there's that, sort of the, the way that that tends to get reduced is heuristics, right? So, yeah, when you look at a card and you see the art for Mind Stone, mm-hmm. it might not necessarily matter the fact that it's half covered up and you can't see the name of the card. If you know the art for Mind Stone, you know that's a Mind Stone over there. Yeah. So all those things are really, really helpful. But yeah, th- th- there's a, a, a variety of things that can happen. We're not going to go completely into how you can make your your decks more accessible in this way because those are covered in depth in the article. So if that's something you're interested in, 100% mm. go read those. This is more so about how can we just reduce the sim- the complexity of the actual cards that we're playing. So not necessarily the mm. borders and the frames and the arts that we're using because that can be done. But uh, more specifically, how can we reduce, to be honest, I think the main thing is how can we reduce the number of words that are on the card yeah and the number of triggers that we have to resolve how can we build simpler decks yeah Yeah. straight up just just on this topic before we move on Mm -hmm. do you think wizards is like respecting the fact that this heuristics is important to a lot of people or do you think that they're moving it because i'm like thinking Mm. of secret layers is something that they're being really experimental with. There's yeah. cards in secret layers that don't look like magic cards. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, that's really hard to identify. I have Scarab God in a secret layer and it's DJ Scarab God. Yeah. But like, I have to usually explain what my commander is because people are like, I have no idea what that card is. Yeah. I can't even read the text. It's all goopy. Yeah. I, I think the, the two articles that I linked are both pretty... Um, pretty condemnatory in terms of being like towards wizards towards wizards of being like wizards is actually sliding backwards here Mm. um and some steps probably need to be taken to avoid this trajectory that they're going on because yeah there's an increasingly large number of arts that you can see a card in um there's an increasingly large number of borders and also that one of the articles is specifically about the way that borders have been used in magic to indicate what a card is and or using a certain mechanic or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the, the the example that was given was um, in the original Theros blocks that were came out. Mm-hmm. When enchantment creatures became a thing, they always had this sort of sparkly, starry border, yeah, right? I remember that. Yeah, and so th- that was working as a heuristic of when you would look at that card, that in shorthand says, this is an enchantment and a creature you can tell from the border. Mm-hmm. But then increasingly these days, they've either not used that border for enchantment creatures, they've moved away from doing that. And they've or, just gone to like solid gold border or yeah, whatever. Yeah, stuff like that. Or in some cases, they've taken borders that did indicate things like that or art styles that indicated things like that and use them in a way that doesn't indicate the same thing. So the, the example that was given in one of them was um, Croxer. In the, you know how they did the universes within or whatever it was called, where in um, March of the Machine there were the printings of cards uh, that were like completely different borders or arts. Well, they had like the showcase borders from yes. the sets that they were from, or, or from, like from sometimes the... from different planes to, to what they yeah. were actually from. Like they had the Tatiova in the old Armenket gray, like sort of brownie gray. Mm 
border. So they had a bunch of those ones. I really there were a lot. Re- like they had they did um, the companions in that like Icoria. Like they they yeah. took because so, some of the companions didn't get like special artwork no, treatments. Yeah. So like my boy Lutri got like a really cool. Comic that one art. looked really cool. Yeah. So, so some of those were totally fine and acceptable. But yeah, the example that was given was Croxa was done. This is the one from um, Wilds of, El- of Eldraine. Yeah, Wilds of Eldraine, Croxa with Uro Uro Croxa. They're all from Eldraine, aren't they? Uh, no, Croxa is from. They're from they're from Theros, so that that is fine. But they would Croxa was done with a starry constellation um art. Like the actual art of Croxa in this version was the you know, like the stars in the sky oh, and then they like, make up like him oh, with stars. Yes. So, I see what you're saying here. Because that mechanic in Theros was used to indicate devotion. Yes. Like gods, gods. Gods that were enchantments that could become creatures. Croxa is not one of those. He's those got who don't escape, know. Which he's is, got escape. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a creature. He's like a six six creature or whatever for four, but you have to escape him from your graveyard in order to get he, him. Is he an elemental titan? Yeah, is something titan? like that. Yeah. yeah. He's so but he's not a god at all he doesn't use the devotion mechanic he's not in any way related to that style that they did all those cards in and so yeah a very valid concern was raised Mm. of actually this is harder for us to keep track of if these consistencies that have been there in the past are now being used for other things and indicating other things and the fact that there just are so many variants it's very likely that you're going to come across this and it's going to require more of your mental upkeep to keep track of it all, hundred like, percent. You, you're and even just like the the upkeep that you have to have to be like, what's that card do? And then yeah. they're like, oh, it's Croxa. And instead of going, oh, remind me what Croxa does. Maybe that, or maybe like, oh, have you got a Shieldred? Remind me what Shieldred does. Oh, this one's in Phyrexian. You're gonna have to Google it. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of time and energy that's yeah. being added on top. And speaking of. I wanted to talk about the fact that I actually <laughs> sort of moving away from the, the the framing thing and towards the actual cards mechanically and how challenging they can be. Mm-hmm. I actually think that in general, it might be becoming harder to play cards that have a smaller mental upkeep because wizards keep on printing cards that say whenever on them. Oh, triggered abilities. Triggered abilities. Yeah. There are so many cards these days that are very played in our format. Um, that have triggered abilities on them. We've in the past uh, referred to this as the Cathar's Crusade effect. Yeah, this is the worst culprit yes. of, of these cards. Cards that just slow down everything that is happening in the game because they trigger all the time mm-hmm. or the triggers are difficult to resolve or just are uh, in general complex to actually wrangle in a turn um, and will slow the game down as a result. That was the, the circumstance we brought it up in before was mm-hmm. in terms of game length. But yeah, in terms of mental upkeep, these are also adding to this complexity, right? So I wanted to shout out a few cards, right? So sure. in, in 2021, so this is two years ago now, mm-hmm. we had Wandering Archaic, Esper Sentinel and Adeline Resplendent Cathar. All these yeah, cards right. are super played, right? I mean, yeah, Esper Sentinel is a staple in white now. Yeah. Um, Wandering Archaic is arguably like put inable for any deck and yeah. so sometimes it's you just played will. in cdh right like as a stacks piece more than almost more than yeah. anything else it's kind of a hilarious stacks piece as well it a is lot funny. Of, a lot of people are divisive on it because usually it's like a five mana do nothing or it does a lot yeah <laughs> yeah i mean this is the funny thing like yeah there's, there's so much text on this card right mm. like if, if i cast an instant sorcery spell and you control a wandering archaic it's like do i pay two 
or you get a copy. And this mm. is happening every single time someone's casting an instant or sorcery, right? It's it even just... more complicated when it's a counter spell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, all that stuff. And then you start politicking with, with Wandering yeah. Archaic of being like... If you give me a removal spell, I can copy it yeah, and remove no. something else. It does that. For If anything, Wandering Archaic is a great example to add to game length. <laughs> it, it adds so much it's conversation true. around the table. Yeah. yeah, what a card. So that's 2021. Yep. 2022, we got Shieldred. Uh, you mentioned it already. Yep. This, this, this is a card that slows the game down because it triggers whenever anyone's drawing a card. Four mana, four, five with death touch. And it does a bunch yeah. of other stuff. Like when you draw a card, you gain two life. And when your opponent draws a card, they lose two life. Wizards in 2022 be like, yep. Um, <laughs> uh, Ledger Shredder, 2022. Amazing this is card. Really, really good card. This is specifically triggering whenever someone casts their second spell each turn. And it connives. It connives. Do you remember what connive does? <sighs> See, text. This is what I'm talking about. You draw a card, then discard a card. And if it was a non-land card, you put a plus one counter on Ledger Shredder. Yeah, that was three sentences, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I know. But it's that's all that text. And that's every time someone's casting their second spell turns. That, that's one there. Um, Rumor Gatherer, I want to throw in here. I know not a, lot, not a lot of people play this card, but this is the one that triggers whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control. But at the first time it happens, you scry one. And the second time it happens, you draw a card. This does tend to just add those two triggers to your stack pretty much every turn. And you go like... Is this the second creature that entered the battlefield this turn? What did I play this turn? Oh, Do you know what I played this turn? I think I've, <laughs> I think you've got this. Is this in your humans deck? This is in my Reese the Redeemed Reese, deck. Oh, yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. So you're basically drawing a card, every at turn. least additional card every turn. Yeah, right? it's yeah. a really strong card. And look, pretty much all of these cards we've mentioned just so far are very, very strong. Mm. So again, like as we said, notice in the command... That this is we're moving away from power and towards simplicity, so yeah. we are reducing power because we're going to have to cut some of these cards. As yeah, the, I can understand. I can understand where we're going because, like, I'm looking at these cards, going, "These are staples." Like, you know, how how why would I remove Legislator? Like, that's mm. such a good card. It's yeah. incredible. But I can see that when I play cards like this, um, I'm using an incredible amount of focus because you know sometimes like. The, the nice thing about playing decks that do a lot on their turn and not a lot on other people's turns mm -hmm. is you can put the cards down and take a little breather between your turn yeah. and the next turn. These cards, if you've got an Esper Sentinel, you need to track every spell because if you miss the non-creature spell that they cast, you miss the trigger. And that's like generally yeah. a, like a miss trigger, you don't get the draw. Mm -hmm. Same with Ledger Shredder, if you miss the second spell, all that kind of stuff. I see where you're going with this. When you're playing a lot of cards that say whenever do something you're like wow these are really really good because it happens on other people's turns and i can keep drawing cards and all this kind of stuff mm. but that also means you have to be focused yeah. on other people's turns and you're gonna have to maintain that focus for a long time across the game and yeah, yeah that the the conclusion of this by the way is in 2023 <laughs> yeah we've had Mirkwood bats Lotho, Corrupted Sheriff, and Orcish Bowmasters. Those are all just in Lord of the Rings. And those are all <laughs> cards are that too. say whenever on them and are very played in our format. So yeah, the, the, the gist I'm trying to get across here mm -hmm. is these are, are some of the strongest cards in our format. And, you know, some of them were super played in CDH for good reason. But we don't need to play them in our decks. And also, importantly, Wizards is not going to stop printing cards like this. Because they know it's extremely strong to, to print cards that say, whenever opponent does this, yep. you get this. Those are so strong in Commander because they work against parity, right? Like, there's well, a Wizards reason... knows it will sell product. You, yeah. You got a Lotho is in the Lord of the Rings. That's, yeah. that's an incredible Orzov card. Yeah. Like, I want to get that. 100%. And so, yeah, basically, <laughs> if you're committed to this simplicity thing of the decks that you build being simple 
at the expense of being enormously powerful, you're going to have to continue to be vigilant about not including these cards because mm. they're going to keep coming out. Every set or so, you're going to see a card come out and go, wow, if I was building just for power, I'm going to have to get a copy of that card. Yeah, I will say here, I will say... Walt and I are not saying you should remove all the cards we just mentioned. No. This is like a thing of like, if you have too many of these cards, it becomes an incredible task to just keep track of what's happening on your board. Yeah. And I am I am 100% sure all of you out there at least once have gone, oh, I missed this. Oh, I missed this trigger. Yeah. If you've ever done that, sometimes it's detrimental to your game and it would be better to have something in your deck that does a thing and then doesn't do the thing again. Like, yeah. you know, again and again and again. Because it, it requires your attention. And if you miss it, that... Lo like, for example, Ledger Shredder. If mm -hmm. you miss everyone's second spell and, like, the general table rule is if you miss the trigger, you miss the trigger. Yeah. You've just you've cast a two mana one three that with flying that did nothing <laughs> for you. No other text on it. That is a set effectively what that card did. I think that it's it's important to actually make sure you're ready and capable to keep track of a critical mass of these trigger yeah. abilities, and that you want to yes. as well. Like uh, yeah. this is the 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 really important bit is like if you're one of those people who finds your board states get out of hand. And I've built decks like this. I've talked about them on the podcast before yep. where I am looking at my board and going, I cannot even begin to fathom what is going on on my board, just mm. on mine. What are some of your decks that you think have done well, like that a bunch of times? Well, the Raid Mothers got, hit the bin. Yeah, I saw you disassemble that, yeah. actually. I walked into your house and you were set at the computer unsleeving yep. it. And I was like, oh, that's No, sad. it had to go. I, yeah. I think Spellslinger decks are a really challenging one for this because so many of the best Spellslinger cards say whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell well, or whenever you, you know, do whatever th thing that you're going to do in a Spellslinger deck, do this yeah. other thing. You know, Prowess. Even you, Prowess you is saw, Yeah, I'm assuming you're referencing the Savine <laughs> game that we played the other night. It popped into my mind, yes. Yeah, okay, because that deck, I didn't realize this is a brand new deck of mine. I've only played played it like five six times mm -hmm. now it, it there's so many triggers yeah and some of them are like instants and sorceries and some of them are non-creature non spells, spells. Yeah. so you have to count different things it is yeah i was very much looking at this deck being like oh, i love this deck i'm so proud of it i am probably not going to play that deck a lot yeah I, it's, it's probably a one game kind of thing yeah you know, where you might have like four decks you bring to the commander that night and be like okay Sabine's going first use all my mental capacity on that and then I can bring out the bears yeah bears I the only thing that happens in bears that I'm thinking about is when a bear enters do a thing and that's yeah. pretty easy to track do yeah the bear enter do the thing do the thing that's it I think Iola Iola does it and that's the only real card that does it but there's a beauty to simplicity yeah. right in that way like and I, I never I never have a time with bears where I'm like, oh, keeping track of all... Oh, I've never missed a trigger with bears. No. And I've never looked at my board and go, hang on, I need to make sure I sequence this correctly and resolve all the triggers because it's really complicated. Yeah. There are a bunch of two twos for two. Like, yeah. I'm like, pretty chill You're about set. that. I mean, I love my Mowu deck for the same reason. I've joked before about it and I I did... This is hyperbole, 100%. Mm. I've joked before that Mowu plays itself. Like, you, <laughs> the choices that you make as the pilot of Mowu are pretty irrelevant. It's not completely true. <laughs> you are sequencing, you are thinking about stuff but the choices you make have so fewer branches to them is what i would say right like i do think that like a, a monkey could play it <laughs> <laughs> wow 
I am monkeys are monkey. intelligent creatures, man. They can I play mean, magic. I hate to say it, but we are in fact all monkeys. Yes. So yes. <laughs> I, as a monkey, have played my Moe deck. It's true. <laughs> you caught me. Um, but yeah, like I think moving towards simplicity can reduce this strain you have on your mental mm. resources. Because, you know, some yep. of us sit down and want to play three to four games of Commander in a row. And trying to play three or four Savine games in a row, yeah. I might want to die. <laughs> it's true. Um, I reckon it might be time... For a thrifty interlude. A thrifty interlude. So we have lots left to cover, including some specific cards to avoid if you really struggle with mental upkeep. But before that, we're going to hear a little something about a thrifty card. And as is tradition, I will be performing a monologue. And this week, the card is brought to life in monologue form from the perspective of someone in the card's art. James, you want to read the card we'll be doing this week? Well, I know who it is mm-hmm. uh, because there's only really one person in this card's art. <laughs> and it's the Weapon Craft Enthusiast. Yes. For two and a black, you'll get a creature, Aetherborn Artificer. And they have Fabricate 2. And if you don't know, Fabricate 2, when this creature enters the battlefield, put two plus one counters on it. Or create two 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature tokens. It's a 0-1. What can I say? I like knives. I also like shotguns and flamethrowers, torpedoes, machetes, trebuchets, and catapults. Brass knuckles, shivs, rifles, bayonets, atomic bombs, garrots, and stilettos. Not the shoes, though a nice sharpened heel can be helpful in a pinch. If I don't have access to one of my favorites, I'll settle for a fencer's sword, hat made of dynamite, toaster in a bath, sharpened thimble, angry macaque, or one of those long sticks that police officers carry. Until I take them, that is. The only weapon I don't like is the handgun. If you're going to carry a gun, make it a nice big one, so that nobody ever wonders if you're carrying one. A big gun tells the world what you're made of, and by that I mean lots of fleshy organs, very easily skewered. Get budgeted! I think I was doing right with the French accent until Get Budgeted, where it might have gone a bit Scottish. <laughs> did, did have a bit of a Get, get Budgeted! All day, yeah, Jimmy, yeah. with my toaster and a bath. <laughs> A sharpened thimble. Uh, the head know. made of dynamite. <laughs> um, dynamite is like. Ugh. I don't even know. Wow. Um, if if what you, a character! I love it, that. Guy. I know. Strange, strange person indeed. But if you enjoyed that and you'd like to read those in text form when they're released, they come out every Thursday in the Greensboro Commander Community Discord server in the Thrifty Thursdays channel, and you can also see us bring some of those to life in video form over on TikTok at Get Commanded. So follow us on there if you'd like to see those. For the record, I was talking about you as the character, not not the weapon crafts enthusiast. Talking about me having lots of fleshy organs. No, I was talking about the character I love, which is you. Oh. You're an absolute character. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, right. let's get back to the uh, the mental upkeep. Yeah. And um, you know what? Let's just dogpile a little bit. <laughs> We've been dogpiling a little bit already, but it's true. I I reckon it's time to look at the actual mechanics that we think are terrible because they require a lot of mental upkeep. Yeah, straight up. I, I think there I, are a lot of these. I think a lot of these are recent. Um, recent mechanics that have come out. Like, I'm talking the last few years. Um, Probably, like, within the last two years. Yeah, even, to be specific, yeah, I reckon. Yeah. And look, it, 
a lot of these, it's the fact that you have to track a lot of different things at the same time. Mm. The things you track aren't always the same. Or that it's, they're similar to another mechanic, but with a few key differences. That's that if a big one. you forget and it, yeah. it's relevant. You're like, oh, I think this happens. Then someone's like, no, actually, that's that mechanic. You're talking about this one. Um, I like to start with my straight up least favorite mechanic maybe ever in terms of what's legal in uh, Eternal format. Plus one counters? Walt, you, how dare you? <laughs> you caught me. Um, no, I straight up, like, it goes far enough that I refuse to play this in any deck, even if it's strictly right to do so. Mm -hmm. And in Pauper, by the way, there are decks where if I was building the optimum version of a deck, I would be playing them. Stickers. Oh, for fuck's sake. From Unfinity, these are the ridiculous things where when certain things enter the battlefield or certain things happen, you get a sticker counter. And when you do that, you have to pull a sticker from a sticker sheet. By the way, Which it's a separate deck. You have to, and you have to choose a sticker sheet uh. at, you choose, I think, three sticker sheets at random before the game. There are nine in total. So you yeah. already have to have all nine. Then you have to choose three at random. And then the sticker goes on. On your card, it stays on your card even when it changes zones. It can go to exile to your hand. Wherever it goes, the sticker stays on it. Mm -hmm. So you have to track it on the card in some way. I've seen some people slip the bit of paper in, in front of the card in, yep. in a sleeve, which is probably the best way to do it if you're going to do it. But straight up, I will never, ever play this mechanic because I think it's so, so silly and there is so much you have to keep track of. Great for an unset, horrible for eternal formats like Commander and Pauper. Why the fuck? Like, okay, I have gone on record multiple times on this podcast saying how I appreciate, love, and respect Mark Rosewater. Mm -hmm. Mark, why the fuck did you make this legal <laughs> in, like, Commander or in any other format? Because it has changed things. Mm. And, like, it doesn't come up. Look, I'm going to be perfectly honest here. I'm not going out and saying this happens every single night when I go to the game store. Mm -hmm. I very rarely see it. Yeah. But just the sheer chance of it happening annoys me a little bit. Yeah. I think it's... And the other thing, there's one sticker sheet and one card that is CEDH playable. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Like, And the other thing that you have to now think about is if you're running clones, which pretty much every deck is, mm -hmm. like if you're running any blue, you're running Phantasmal Image, you're running Phyrexian Metamorph, mm -hmm. those kind of things. You need to have your own sticker deck because what if you clone the creature that gives you stickers? <gasps> Is sticker a copyable characteristic? I when it enter if if it says when you ETB, I believe I might have to double check this, yeah. but I think that you should have a sticker deck oh, just God. in case for your CDH deck nowadays. Yeah, wow. Like that just the fact that you have to. I mean, so the card in Pauper, by the way, I play the... Um, it's the Goblin one, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, pl I play the red Koldotha Rebirth deck. I'm a little behind the meta now, but the, the, the card that's seeing a lot of play at the moment is Name Sticker Goblin. I say Name Sticker because it's blank. Blank, yep. then Goblin. When it enters the battlefield, you choose a Name Sticker and it goes in that blank spot slot. But then you add an amount of red equal to the number of vowels in the name sticker you put on. I don't know what the average is, but it must be enough that it's effectively a free goblin. And in a deck that's trying to win with Cold Arthur Rebirth and these days now with Goblin Bushwhacker as well, which ETBs gives everything plus one plus zero oh and haste. Yeah. The so more free goblins, spells, yeah. yeah, and the more free goblins you can cast, the better because then you cast your your um. You're, I just said the name of it and I've already forgotten yeah. the a Goblin Bushwhacker, then you win win the game effectively. But yeah, you have to have Name Sticker Goblin to play the strictly best version of this deck at the moment. And yeah. I think that is so, so silly and ridiculous. For, for, yeah, I don't 
I'm going to check. I'll, I'll even post up in our Discord if stickers is on layer one and a copy of a variable. I don't think it is. I think it is a change because it's a counter, I believe. I think it behaves very similar to a counter. That would check out to me. Um, so I think it's actually on layer six or mm, something maybe like layer seven, potentially, if it's power oh, toughness altering. Maybe it's text changing. Maybe Isn't it might be text changing, changing like layer, layer three or layer something three, like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm assuming it would be there, but I think the one in CEDH, like in our format that mm. happens, is it enters and you can do something. It ETBs yeah. and gets a sticker. So mm. I think if you copy that ETB effect, yeah, it does something. But look, stickers, text changing effects... Also, just while we're on this topic, yeah. text changing effects are complicated as hell to keep track of. Oh, yeah. If we're you talking have to, mental like, upkeep, like, yeah. you can't go much higher than that card doesn't say what it says anymore. Literally, the text has changed, but it hasn't physically changed. Like on no. Arena, like on Arena, it animates and changes text. Arena, it's fine. Right? Arena is it great. It will do it all for you. It's actually really cool on Arena because it's like, yeah. I think the problem is when you have to like get a piece of paper or like an infinity token and yeah. write haste or like or like a word that's been added. Mm. Abilities being added is kind of like that's on layer six, layer three. I can't remember which layer mm. now. Anyway, abilities being added to a card is pretty common. But yeah, we, we're used to seeing like you know expedite gives something haste. Like yeah. it's pretty easy to remember something yeah. like that. But yeah, fundamentally changing the way the card works and the name of the card yeah. or anything like that. It's nuts. It's it's, it's silly. incredible. And yeah, in terms of high mental upkeep, I don't think you can get much higher than stickers. Yeah, I will say psychic paper from the new Doctor Who set changes a card's yeah. name. Uh, it's the only way to get around pithing needle that I've found. It's pretty <laughs> cool. But yeah, I think even that would be a little bit annoying to play with. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You probably have to have some actual paper on hand, to yeah. be honest. Some psychic paper. Yeah. Um, the next mechanic I want to talk about, this is one I specifically cut a card with this mechanic from my deck recently yep. because I was sick of the tokens specifically having to keep track of. Training. This is I the know one the from, card that you're talking about Yeah, this well. is the one from, from Crimson Vow. The card I cut from my deck is Torrens, Fist of the Angels. This is the one whenever you cast a creature spell, you make a 1-1 green and white uh, human soldier with training. Yep. Training is whenever it attacks, if it's attacking with a creature with higher power, you put a plus one counter on it. So... The reason that this has so much uh, so high of mental upkeep is you're making a new token every time you cast a creature spell, but then some of those tokens, when they attack, are getting bigger. They're getting counters specifically put on them. Yep. Counters, you know, as we know in Commander, matter. There are cards that say destroy all creatures with counters on them, or creatures with counters gain indestructible. Like, these are things we see in our format. You have to track them. They have to be tracked in that way. You have to have, in your box, so many training tokens, and you have to track them all separately, because some of them might be 3-3, three, three, some of them might be 1-1. One, one, and I literally got to a point where I was like, I don't care how good this card is in my deck. I'm over it. Yeah. I Torrens, my partner still plays Torrens mm -hmm. in their humans deck. Um, I've asked them to take it out yeah. a few times just because it's like the amount of infinity tokens I have to provide is just <laughs> annoying. Um, like I have a stack, but like I need them and yeah. like there's only so many. There's I can only make. so many that <laughs> yeah. you can make before exactly. you're using all of them. I genuinely think Torrens is as close to Cathar's Crusade as it gets in this example because it's <laughs> Maybe like- Maybe it's the new Cathar's Crusade effect. We should call it the Torrens effect. The Torrens effect. effect. It sounds kind of like a science, yeah. like, you know, like the Einstein something, like the yeah. Torrens field. The Torrens theory. <laughs> it's fucking annoying when it's, you have 19 tokens all with different counters and then you're true. swinging for damage and the defending player's like how much damage is it and you're like I think these are five fives these are six threes these are all one ones but they're buffed by glorious anthem oh so th that means these power toughness have changed Oh my god, math is for fucking blockers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this theory. I'm going to become a conspiracy theorist. 
<laughs> yeah, training sucks. Yeah. Training um, actually sucks. No likey. Um, something that one of the mechanics that's similar in this like way it alters the card, like going back to that, mm-hmm. the prototype mechanic from yeah. um, Brothers War does a very weird thing where it has an alternative casting cost. Mm-hmm. That if you cast it for that alternative casting cost or its prototype cost, mm-hmm. it enters as a very different entity. Yes. Its color can be different. Its power toughness can be different. Mm-hmm. And abilities on the card can be different. And I think it's the abili- abilities are normally the same, I think. Abilities are normally the same, but some of the abilities are variable based on its power and it's toughness. It's true. Well, well, some of them say yeah. when it enters the battlefield. Like, I know there's a golem that says when it enters the battlefield, you gain life equal to its power. Yeah. And its power is literally different depending on whether you prototype it or not. Like, well, either it's like a 7-4 or it's like a 1-3 or yeah. something. There's another prototype that has ward pay life equal to its toughness or oh, something like that. Oh, this is the one that's sort of a lot Flesh of play. Gorge or something. Yeah, it's like a one black black or seven generic mana, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's it's really the other thing is it it enters as the different entity and it's mm. on the stack as the other entity as well. Yeah. So if you have an effect that says like if you got like a Garrick's Uprising kind of thing, mm-hmm. creature power four or greater enters the battlefield, draw a card, and you prototype something with three power, the card in the bottom right corner where it has always had power and toughness. Yep. That is wrong. So if it's a 3-2 that's entering the battlefield because of its prototype cost, you're not drawing a card. You have to look up a little bit on yes. the card to the it's other section. not where it normally is. But for me, the reason why I'm shouting this out is because usually the player that's casting the prototypes doesn't have a problem keeping track of it themselves. Mm-hmm. But once they're on the board, it's really hard to represent yeah. which it is. Because like the prototype even has like you know like different color border around that middle bit to mm. show that it's a red creature. But after a turn or two goes round, I'm looking at your board state and you've got all these prototype creatures. I'm like, okay, which ones are prototypes and which ones were cast for the full mana value of the card? Yeah. Because I have no idea. And it's like really hard to represent because the way that Arena does it is great. And it, these cards for me feel like they were made for Arena mm. and because the game keeps track of it your, for for you yeah. right you have to keep track of it in paper mm. you do this is mental upkeep energy that you're using to keep track of this yeah. and your opponents have to use mental upkeep to keep track of it as mm. well the only way that i think i would like keep track of this it like on a board in a long game is by folding the card in half if it was prototyped <laughs> like genuinely I mean, pushing the bit underneath to yeah. be like this is the prototype version yeah i think that's probably the best way I, maybe like a little bit of paper that covers its actual power toughness i wouldn't to, actually like, fold a card for the record like, that seems blasphemous <laughs> i figured that was facetious <laughs> but even so yeah no i'm totally with you it's a it's very, yeah, on Arena, again, this works fine, Yeah, but um, very hard to keep track of in paper. And speaking of, um, this is another one, maybe this is more like the training thing. I also, I think, maybe there's a subcategory of these, which is cards that you have to have the specific tokens for. Uh, I know you have infinite tokens, but I don't, and I like having the actual tokens. Yep. Incubate. This is the thing oh, this, from... cha- this also changed a whole rule about tokens oh, and how yeah. they behave. Because they, these are tokens that transform. So, by the yeah. way, so uh, Chrome Host Seed Shark is a good example. It's probably the most playable one. This is the one when yeah. you, cast, you cast a non-creature spell, you incubate X, where X is the mana value of the spell. So, if, so let's say you cast a 3-drop, right? Non-creature 3-drop. You will incubate X... Incubate 3. So, you'll make a non-creature artifact token... Yeah. It's Phyrexian, I think. three plus one counters on it. Yes. And, and then can... for two generic mana, you can transform it. And it flips upside down into a Phyrexian artifact creature. Yeah. 
and it, it, it because it's transformed, it keeps the counters on it. So yeah. basically, the it's like a slow way of getting a three-three. In other words, it cast a cast a three-mana spell, get a three-three with steps in the middle. Yeah, it's also the really interesting play pattern as well that I've seen some incubate decks do, where they they build up a bunch of incubate tokens that are the, not the creatures yet, mm-hmm. and then they board wipe, yeah. and then they flip them all, and they recover really quickly, which is really cool, but also like annoying to represent on your board like mm. if you don't have the real tokens you're like hang on that upside down magic card is that a creature or is that not yeah is that an incubate token or is that if i board wipe right now are you keeping those five tokens or are those artifacts right now yeah i can't tell i also think that there's um something to say here about the mental upkeep of keeping your board state clean and tidy yeah i am a huge stickler for the places that certain permanents on my battlefield go you keep a very neat board i I will shout you out specifically and say in terms of playing against you it's very rare i can't tell where things are yeah because yeah you do the thing that by the way magic's rules encourage you to do Mm. and sometimes in tournament levels require you to do yeah post dryad arbor yeah Um, (laughs) what a moment yeah but yeah you you have to lay it out in a certain order right there are three i can actually explain the comparables for you if you want so there are three zones that your board is split into Mm -hmm. and it's basically the top third of your playmat the middle third and the bottom third yeah the top third is where your creature permanents are Mm -hmm. so when i say creature permanence creature is a super type and if anything is a creature for example dryad arbor is a Mm. creature and a land yeah you actually have to put dryad arbor in that top third so this trumps every other rule no matter what other permanent types it has if it's an enchantment if it's a land whatever if it's a creature no matter what it's going in that top third 100 percent. cool now the second third the middle one this is where you put non mana producing permanence Mm -hmm. so this is things like enchantments or artifacts that don't have a mana ability that kind of stuff makes sense um you can also put there are a lot of things a lot of players will put mana producing permanence in this third and i I do as well yeah um but it is not a like in Comparel, you you can or you you don't have to Mm. um but it's a good thing for your opponent to see mana producing artifacts all that kind of stuff. I think this is a really good one to keep track of in Commander because we see a lot of mm. artifact board wipes and a lot of the time, if you have your mana rocks in this bottom third, which is where your lands and mana producing lands are, yep. if someone does like a overloaded Vandal Blast, you might miss mana rocks that should have been blown up. Correct. And if you've then used that mana, it's really hard to rewind. 100%. So this is why I'm a big advocate to represent your board state cleanly. And these incubate tokens... I like I have played some of the pre-con decks from March of the Machine and I was a big big like advocate at this pre-con game to be like right don't put your tokens that haven't flipped yet in the top third because no. I'm going to think they're creatures and I think that it's it's just an easy workaround like if we're going to give you advice on how to play around these really challenging mental upkeep things mm. one of my biggest tips to you is keep a clean board if yeah. you've played with me before I've probably told you to move something on your board. <laughs> I am a bit of a stickler for no, those I, things. Like I've even said to you, like, oh, can you put this here? Because like your yeah. that creature is like really close to your lands and I didn't even see it and I was about to attack you and you had a sneaky blocker. This has been like, a big a big shift in my thinking since you told me well, you basically specifically told me a few times, like, hey, mm. can you maybe move those so that I can see them? Um, I actively do this now where I have I appreciate creatures that a lot. at the top. Non-creature permanents that don't produce mana. I put put my mana rocks in the middle. I as do well. as well because yeah. it, it's easier to keep track of like 
I also, we've yeah. talked before a long time ago on the Order episode about how oh, yeah. you should use your like colorless producing rocks first and stuff. Like soldering. Yeah. And, and so I actually find when I keep my minor rocks separate that I'm better at using all my, my rocks first and then keeping my lands last. I will say this isn't a hard and fast rule. Some of no. the best pla- magic players that I know, like Ellie, one of our um, incredible friends and judges, she puts all her mana rocks in her lands yeah. base, which by Comparel rules, you are allowed to do. Yeah. You are allowed to do that. And I totally respect, like in terms of mental upkeep as well, for some people, if they can see all their rocks, because most things produce one mana, right? Most of our rocks, most of our lands yep. produce one mana. Thought vessel, yeah. all that kind of stuff. If you're yeah. looking at all the cards in your bottom third and they're all, and there's eight of them, and you know they all produce one, you're just like, cool, I've got eight mana. Sweet. So I totally respect for people who want to keep their mental upkeep low in that way. Yeah, 100% put your rocks mm-hmm. there. But yeah, for me, I'd rather see where people's permanents are and what they are. So yeah, I'm with you. I'd like to keep them organized and incubate. Definitely is one where people need to do that. Especially, I think it's also a bit of a respect thing. Like if you're giving, if you if you're having a hard time keep having a mental upkeep of your own board state, think about that. What that's like for your opponents. Yeah, all those cards are upside down for some of your opponents. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, I can't read cards upside down. No, at all. Like I, if I say, oh, can I have a look at this card? I will swing it face around. I can't, yeah. I'm not leaning over to read something upside down. No, it takes about twice as long and some of us straight up can't do it, which yeah. is totally fair. Yeah. Look, staying in the world of March of the Machine, I have mm-hmm. another mechanic that has irked me and actually has come up in our judge channel on Discord just recently. I think was it might have been me because you... I was thinking about this episode, uh, possibly. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh-huh. Backup. Backup. Backup is a mechanic that literally it's text altering yeah and it adds and gives abilities mm-hmm. um which is it's a triggered ability i think right usually it's like when this when enters it, the battlefield it's got backup three so yeah. for example if something has backup three you can put three plus one counters on a target creature you control it can be itself by the way if mm-hmm. a creature is entering with backup three um but if you give it to another creature basically anything below the backup three line mm-hmm. of text is added to the creature that you put the counters on. So let's yeah. say I have a two mana, two, two with flying that has backup one and one of its keywords is flying. So it's got flying on it and it's underneath that backup line. Sure. Right? Yeah. So when it enters the battlefield, I can back up one. And let's say I've got a two, two grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Two, two, no abilities. Yeah. When I back up, weird when i back up my grizzly bears with my <laughs> angel um it, the magic the gathering everyone um you will put a plus one counters on you'll put one plus one counter on your grizzly bears because it has backup one mm-hmm. and it will gain flying until end of turn until end of turn see that's yeah. the tricky bit and there's like all of these like little interactions where it like adding and removing abilities is part of the layer system maybe we do a whole episode on layers i know right it's it's so relevant to the way we play commando especially yeah the thing that gets really stuffy with backup is um some cards have backup multiple instances so not backup Mm. three the card that i play that has backup um and i do play because it's really good well it's got it's called conclave sledge captain it's got backup one backup one backup one so you can back up one three times yes yeah and every time you back up a creature that isn't conclave sledge captain it gains the the text below it again so you can back up the same creature three times and the text that's beneath it by the way says whenever this it's got trample so it gains nice. trample Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, put that many plus one counters on it. Oh, so if you back up the same creature three times, that triggered ability happens three, three times. times. 
Ew. Only till end of turn. But yeah, like in my Mowu deck, you mm. can imagine. Put a counter on Mowu three times. Mowu replaces that text with put two counters on it each time. Oh, you've got three triggers with three replacement yeah. effects. Oh my God. And then every time, it's, every time it deals coming damage to a play, you put that many counters on it plus one because I Mowu has I thought you said Mowu was an easy deck to pilot. Having that is Not like, sounds card. like a multi... Yeah, yeah, so this is the one card that in that deck that makes it complicated, right? Yeah, this is, this is probably the most complicated card yeah. in the deck. But like there's cards with backup, especially if you're building a plus one counters deck that are really, really good. Yeah. But yeah, they straight up, you know, it's like, uh, what was the episode we did recently? Reading the card won't explain the card. Oh yeah. This is a classic example of a time where the text that is on the card is not representative of what's actually there. Because yeah, yeah this will write text on that card until end of turn. It will write trample. It will write when this creature does come out down to a player, put that many plus yeah. one counters on that card only till end of turn. But you have to know what's there. Yeah, I will clarify that I do believe that this isn't a text changing ability no. this is a adding and removing abilities and by the way i was the reason i was asking a judge call on this oh, the question thing yes yeah. i was asking about whether if i cloned a creature that had backup put on it so if like my mowu for instance has this backup triggers got this extra text on it if yep. i clone mowu does it have that text on it as well and both you and ellie clarified yep. no that happens in layer six and only the copyable characteristics which is layer one which is printed on the card yeah only yep. those can be copied by a clone so yep. no that you, thankfully you don't get into anything like that yeah but even so it's complicated to keep track of and yeah if you're trying to reduce your mental upkeep might be worth cutting some backup cards i completely agree um look the, the cards that we've mentioned, or the mechanics that we've mentioned so far, mm -hmm. in my opinion, are powerful mechanics. Yes. Like that that whole play pattern of like building up your incubate tokens, board wiping, and then flipping for a quick recovery. It can be really that's strong. That's sick. That whole backup thing that you were just explaining, how you can put three separate triggered abilities on a creature, that's pretty strong. Yeah. You know what's a mechanic that I think is just objectively shit? <laughs> Decay. Uh... Decayed zombies... I, okay, I've had I've got a Scarab God deck that mm -hmm. I love, and I have quite a lot of decay because I kind of gave it a bit of a refresh after the mechanic came out with Wilhelt, that commander. Yeah, Wilhelt is probably the strongest decayed card you'd have to say. Yeah, because right? he at the end step you can sacrifice a non-decayed zombie and you draw a card we and should, you make a decayed. Zombie. We should probably explain what decay does very quickly. But oh, yeah, yeah, true. So it makes it's a two. They're always two two zombies. Yeah, but they say when this creature attacks sacrifice it and end of combat and also they can't block yes but usually and especially on the tokens it just has decayed and then in brackets thin italics has the reminder text of what walt just explained and really really crucially i think especially when you're playing a zombie deck they're two two zombies but they're not just vanilla black two two zombies like they everything can't else block they can't block and you sacrifice at the end of combat Correct. if you attack with them yeah so really importantly you have to represent them all differently yeah and sometimes i'm sure you what you've had to say is yeah. you will go to combat and you'll be like cool i'll swing my 10 two twos at you and then it's like okay cool at end of combat five of those are gone it's like yeah. Oh god! I they forgot the bloody decay yeah. on them. Or it's even worse, and you want to sandbag all of these two-two zombies, and then someone goes to combat, and you're like, ah, "I've got heaps of blocks." Oh wait, decayed can't block. Yeah. Oh my god. That thin reminder text it's, is not so helpful. It's really, really confusing. And the other thing, like, like I was alluding to, it's just a shit two-two zombie. Yeah. It's, it's like worse this, than this a is zombie. A, me a mechanic that has made a really simple thing to understand a two-two 
chump. Mm. Like that's what it, that's what a zombie is. It's a it's a part of your board that's just a chump block or an army or something you can build up over time. Vanilla creature. Vanilla creature into something more complicated, and as a result, has made it a harder to keep track of, mm. and b worse yeah like is- you've actually made the card worse if the command was specifically how hey, you can move away from power and towards simplicity maybe with decayed you can stay in power <laughs> maybe in. move towards power <laughs> yeah. and towards simplicity so it might be the strictly correct thing to do it's kind of wild there how- are a couple of good decay creatures. like will help is great because it draws you a card on the end step and i know I you play poppet stitcher in your spell slinger deck i'm actually pretty high on this card yeah uh, poppet stitcher is a a creature it's a it's double-sided card that you can transform. Mm-hmm. On the front face, it's a creature that says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you make a 2-2 decayed zombie. Yeah. Which in my um, Savine Reclamation uh, Chronoclasm... Yeah. Yes. Savine the Chronoclasm. Yes. Reclamation is another card. Yeah. Um, Savine the Chronoclasm deck, my whole strategy is to make a bunch of tokens from Poppet Stitcher, from Young Pyromancer, mm-hmm. from um, uh, Conclave... Uh, a monastery third, mentor. Monastery mentor, third iconoclast. Third that, path iconoclast. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All of these. I've got like seven or eight of these in the deck. Mm-hmm. Basically, just all similar text. When you cast an instant sorcery, maybe non creature spell, make a token. Make a token. And yeah. then my win con is using the pauper all star, Rally the Peasants, yeah. which gives all creatures you control plus two plus O. Oh, mm-hmm. And then it also has flashback for two and a red. And with my commander. If I flash it back, I get to copy it. So yeah. all of my creatures become plus if six I cast, plus oh. Yeah, if I cast it from hand and then cast it from bin, it's plus six plus oh yeah. for like six mana. And that's so strong. Pretty cool. It's, and it's end of the game. I've, I've played games against you where you won off yeah. just doing that. Yeah. Which is sick. And I love the fact that I can use a pauper win con and commander. That was yeah. like the whole point I did. Um the reason I included Poppet Stitcher is A, it starts to fill up the board on the front side, but mm-hmm. it also has on the back side of it, you can turn at the beginning of your upkeep, you can transform it. And by the way, you can transform it back as well at the beginning mm-hmm. of your upkeep. So just, the back you just side do it for whatever. you can just keep flip-flopping at every upkeep. Mm-hmm. The back side says all creature tokens you control have base power 3-3 and lose all abilities so really crucially and this was the tech in limited and especially is you make a whole bunch of 2-2s with decayed flip it not only do they become 3-3s they lose all their abilities including decayed which means they they are now good creatures (laughs) now they're strictly better zombies right they're 3-3s that can still that can block you don't sack them at the end of combat they're just better than they were straight up so the, the problem that I have with this is when I represent all my tokens I have to write on them like this monk has the monk creature token has prowess yeah this zombie has decayed Mm -hmm. whatever the keyword might be on the tokens i think i might take it out because it requires a lot of mental upkeep i've had it happen once before where i flip and now i'm like okay now they're all three threes should I erase the fact that they were originally two twos and write three three on them? But now, if this thing gets removed, they will go back, back to being to what they were. It actually requires a lot of mental upkeep to keep track of this card. For sure. But I kind of like it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty strong. Look, I think the really important thing though about it in this deck is you don't have any other ways to make zombies. So you're no. not, you're not going to have the usual problem I think with decayed zombies of going like I'm okay, in I've got these. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not making, you're not making any other yeah. zombies. You're not going to have any like regular black zombies and then decayed zombies. True. So you the confusion should be less I think as a result yeah. of that. Yeah. I just think that decayed is one of those mechanics that has so like one too many rules. Like the yeah. fact that they can't block and they sack at the end of combat is just one too many rules yeah. for a token to have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's the kind of thing where like 
you know, weigh it up. Like, how much are you gaining in power from this card versus the amount of mental upkeep you are adding to your deck? Yeah. Because, like, yeah, that was my my decision basically with um with the training card, um, Torrens, was, yeah, the amount of power I'm adding is, you know, like, not insubstantial, but the amount of mental upkeep I'm adding is so high that I don't want to do it. Yeah. Straight up. And so you can make these choices. And, yeah, there's... I'm like, are you enjoying it as well? That's yeah. the thing that I... Like, I, I found that with, like, Puppet Stitcher, I'm kind of enjoying this like little mental challenge because for me it's a bit of a challenge and i enjoy that Mm. but maybe on another day i just won't play that deck because it does require the upkeep yeah but like yeah i'm enjoying that card but like there are other cards like for example in my scarab god deck Mm. i have a bunch of things that make a bunch of decayed zombies yeah and i've i'm gonna take those cards out because i hate having to make a bunch of different tokens and represent Mm. them differently and all this kind of stuff it that for me is unenjoyable, whereas Poppet Stitcher is enjoyable for different reasons, but they're using the same mechanic. So, I'm, again, we're not saying that all of these mechanics should be taken out of your deck. No. I, I will go out in a limb, though, and say that, like, if I was running Wizards, I would be 100% being like, let's please make fewer of these complicated mechanics. Also, chuck a vanilla creature in standard. Yeah, just, like, just one time, like, and, <laughs> or just, like, bring back some mechanics that are, like, so much easier to keep track of. Every set doesn't need a feature mechanic. No. Sometimes you can bring back old ones, like Kicker, for instance... Is, I know the joke is everything is kicker, but seriously, kicker. the reason that everything's kicker is because kicker is so easy to understand. Yep. You have a spell, you have an extra cost you can pay to get extra effect. That's it. Yep. That's the whole mechanic. You don't need to have tokens. You don't need to know that it's the front side or anything like that. Yep. Um, and by the way, the, we should end this episode on a slightly more positive note. If you're uh, taking these cards out of your decks, I know in the past we've like told you which cards to... When we say, like, don't play these cards, we've told you... Like to play a one-for-one one replacement. Yeah, 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 play these cards instead. I think with these, straight up, anything else. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. what you add in in the place of this, as long as the thing you're adding in has less mental upkeep than that. I actually would go one step further. Mm-hmm. Find a card that you're going to have fun playing. Yeah. For me, that's the immediate... Like, a lot I was alluding to with Decade before, it's the immediate flip between... The mental challenge and mental upkeep of something is unfun. So put something in that is incredibly fun. Yeah. Like have something in like, you know, for example, the um, there's like one black creature that if you kick it, it makes a bunch of two two zombies. Oh, it's Josu Vest. Josu Vest. That's it's the Liliana's, one. Liliana's um, brother. brother who's yeah. Like the, her, the his zombie death knight. Is, yeah. And his yeah. death is like the beginning of her origin story. Yeah. 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 So it's a cool story beat, but also, yeah, a great card. Replace all your decayed stuff with him because it's like, okay here's a three mana something, but you can kick it for five extra mana or six extra mana or whatever it is. But you will have so much fun resolving that one spell. Yeah, it makes like eight tutus or something when it's kicked, on, something crazy. On, on ETB, it's so nuts. It's I so think strong. If you are going to replace it with something that's like a bit more Timmy Power Gamer yeah. vibes, you're going to have a better time. And so much easier to keep track of. Yeah. yeah. Well, the complexity of Magic the Gathering is undoubtedly increasing, but that does not mean your commander decks need to increase at the same rate. We play an eternal format with complex rules, and it is reasonable to take steps to reduce the effect of this complexity on yourself and the people you play with. So, Space Commanders, Command Command received. received!
Nice. Another get commanded. You don't have to be playing the most powerful thing to have fun. If anything, you're probably going to have less fun. <laughs> Maybe that's just the command. Full stop for get yeah. commanded, honestly, with how often we visit it. But yeah. Uh, to the listeners out there, do you feel commanded? What do you think of mental upkeep? And uh, I want to know if you've ever cut cards from your decks because they just gave you a headache to keep track of. And what cards were they? I want to yeah, know Yeah, I want to know which ones yeah. your mental upkeep ones uh, are. Scoot Swarm is the one that I've heard a lot oh, of people God. have cut. Yeah, no thank you. Yeah. And look, you can talk to us in plenty of different ways you can send us an email but you can follow us on all of our social platforms like twitter instagram and threads at get commanded on all platforms and there's a giveaway on there so you can engage with that uh, but you can also join the greensboro commander community discord server and this is where we hang out pretty much every single day mm-hmm. um we have a judge channel all that kind of stuff it's great it is great go hang out with us in our play group there Absolutely. And we would, of course, like to thank our patrons who support the work we do. And don't forget to check out the Patreon yourself. It's the absolute best way to support our content. Uh, so we'd like to thank our patrons, Stella Tam, Fuzzy, and Bottomless Potamus. And we'd like to make a special shout out to Fletcher Cutting, who supports us in the Space Commander tier. You're the best. You are the best. And our crispy vocals right now wouldn't mm. be possible without you guys. These mics are so cool. It's so cool to record with them, that's for sure. And before we planeswalk, I would like to make a big, big thank you to Palms Off Gaming this week because mm. something special has happened with Palms Off. You know how I was alluding to it a while ago? Yes. It's finally happened. Um, Palms Off sponsor our podcast, but they have actually now just released a affiliate program with us, mm. which is very exciting. Um, you can buy all of the the gaming accessories you need, like sleeves, deck box, binders, all of that stuff from Palms Off Gaming's website. But now... You should actually go to palmsoffgaming.com.au forward slash hashtag get commanded to get a whopping 10% off your entire purchase. And while you're doing that, you're supporting the show directly. Yep. So we will get a a direct amount of of, of uh, cut. Commission. Yeah, Commission, basically yeah. from Palms Off Gaming every time you buy using that link. Um, if that link is a little bit too weird, you can use the code COMMANDED10 instead uh, when you go to checkout. Both mm-hmm. of them do exactly the same thing. Uh, so yeah, either palmsoffgaming.com.au forward slash hashtag get commanded or commanded 10 at the checkout but yeah either of those gets you that 10% discount and we get a cut of that directly as yeah. well so you're supporting the stuff that we do you're supporting Palms of Gaming who support us and you get a 10% discount for it you really can't go wrong and also their products are actually just amazing yeah um, I can't Oh, actually, by the time this episode comes out, I totally can. Mm-hmm. I've had a chat with Palms Off Gaming. Mm-hmm. New sleeve alert. New oh. pro sleeve alert. I think these are the ones that we tested a yes. little while ago. And how good are they? They're really cool. They are awesome. So look, yeah, we'll, we might be able to talk about those sleeves a little bit more later. But if you are looking for great product in Australia, made by an Australian local gaming company that really cares about TCGs, Pog is your place to go. So yeah, palmsoffgaming.com.au forward slash hashtag get commanded. Yep, it's the absolute, it's just going to support what we do. It's going to be yeah. great. Um, That's all the magic stuff, I yeah. reckon. So let's planes walk out of here. That's your way. You've been a busy little boy the past couple of weeks. <laughs> I have been. I've been, I well, at the time this episode comes out, I've just performed three of my six shows, um, which is pretty massive. But the spe- one I specifically wanted to um, highlight to do with my show is uh, I actually, 
mostly because I forgot you have to pay rights for music. Um, and that's like a significant sum of money associated with putting on a theater show. I was just like, stuff it. I'm going to make all the music for our play. Mad, <laughs> mad, mad. So I spent a good couple of days in front of the piano, dusted it off a little bit because it's been a little while since I last used it. But yeah, I spent, um, I created three different tracks with sort of different vibes it's one that's kind of intense and one that's super chill and one that's kind of halfway in between um maybe i'll link find a way to link those somewhere so put them up on soundcloud to, or something yeah, yeah. If people wanted to listen but yeah they'd like i have a very limited musical understanding but i've got a, a reasonably good musical ear i think and so mostly yep. i just like listen to a song that i think is interesting and then semi emulate it so I'll, yeah i'll make variations and make it different to, to the sound i'm listening to but yeah i'll sort of like try and do a waltz impersonation of it and yeah they they turned out pretty well actually that's so cool man i'm yeah. really happy like writing music was something that I did for a long, long time. Mm. Um, and funnily enough, I actually sent you a link to a song yeah. that my old band it was, was still just put together. Because yeah. yeah, they continue without you. I yeah. might chuck it in the show notes, actually. Yeah, um, the, the band's called Atriox. The song is called To Be Gone. Um, and the song that they released this year, this month in 2023, uh, I wrote in 2015. Wow. It is eight years ago. Eight years ago. And like, it is... I might even post a little clip of it maybe on our Patreon page because mm-hmm. the the clip uh, that I sent you is like a video of me as a teenager <laughs> in uh, my mate's living room playing this song. It's and very charming. It's really cool. But like writing music is such a rewarding thing. Mm. Um, and it I, when I came over and you were like sat in front of the piano, I was like... <gasps> What are you doing? That's so cool. <laughs> it's a very rare thing. Yeah. I did it a little bit during lockdown and then, yeah, haven't really touched it since then because we've been busy, busy boys. You but... did do a great skit with the piano during lockdown. Oh, do you remember that yeah. one? Yeah, there was like, it was like a local election happening and there yeah. were people sending out, like, it was like one of those things where they had all of the people and then like In a your photo. local area. Yeah. And then yeah. like them, like their policy platform. And there was a guy who said... Oh my God, I remember getting this in the mail. This was brilliant. I wanted to... Uh, oh God. I wanted to like be happy, eat food and sail my boat with my wife. But the virus changed all of that. And he was like the whitest man yeah. you could potentially... Like you could conceive of in a suit and tie on this pamphlet that was shoved in our mailbox when Walt and I were living together. I could not... I just found it so, so endlessly amusing that he thought that sailing his boat with his wife was a relatable thing he could tell the electorate. Anyway, so I... I Because <laughs> that's what I was concerned about. Yeah. It's not like all my friends losing their jobs. Nah. Well, we couldn't go out on our boat. My boat! My boat! So I basically sang, as from his perspective, I did um, Let It Be by the yeah. Beatles, but Let Me Sail My Boat! <laughs> Let me sail my, my boat. boat. It was brilliant. Go and vote so I can sail my boat. Um, bravo, bravo, bravo. You. Very silly. <laughs> I, by the way, when I posted that, I don't know if I ever told you this, someone replied and said, oh my God, this guy went to my high school. <gasps> no and he way. Is the biggest tosser you could possibly imagine. I mean, come on, printing. Okay. <laughs> You have to be a pretty big tosser if you are printing off flyers to get elected in a general, like, local election that is, like, I want to be rich. Yeah. Can you put me in power? Allow me to be richer than you and enjoy my riches. Thank you so much. Bye. Unlike the house we were living in at the time was an I absolute know. dilapidated we were, piece of shit. We were, li- like, we were, like, dealing with, like, mold on our walls. Yeah. And this guy's like, I don't know. What about sailing my boat, though? And we're like, what about food? Yeah. Like- <laughs> you worried about... <laughs> 
We got moisture on our walls, bro. You can't be sailing on the mo- moisture out there. That's ridiculous. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's, we'll leave it on that note. That's all the time we have this week. <laughs> it's true. So we'll see you next Friday for another transmission from the Space Commanders. Goodbye, Commander players. Bye.